Hey guys, good afternoon. Welcome to episode two of Trading with the Guru. Mauricio Sanchez here in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, subject of the day, beginning steps of investing. How one goes from living and spending check to check to allocating a portion of that to their future needs. Uh, one important thing I think as we're growing up is that we plan for, uh, for the future. Primarily, if, if something goes sour, say, say we're 30 years old, right? Job cuts, we lose our position. At that point, can you sustain six months of living? That's the question we're really asking ourselves. In other cases, some maybe haven't started their career until they're about 30 years old. They get serious about what they want to do. They go on a route and 20 years down the line, they're 50 and they realize, hey, I've done no saving or investing um, and for, for my future. What, what do they do at that point? Um, these kind of questions are, are kind of the questions I ask myself whenever I speak to someone about um, either investing or what they're doing to really uh, sustain their, uh, their life in the later years. As a financial advisor the past six years, uh, there's a few things I've learned. Um, one of those things is that building wealth over time requires disciplined investing. Um, not only that, but sacrifices have to be made in their daily living habits. So for instance, myself, um, as I got older, I realized these things, hey, not going out to eat every week, more meal prepping, um, you know, friends call you on a Thursday night, they want to go out, sometimes telling those friends that some, uh, some of those days you, you just can't join them in on, on that outing. Um, if you're going out to eat for dinner, Groupon, Groupon always has hell of a deals. You get 40% off your meals. Uh, plan a Groupon date. Do that. Um, even shopping at discount outlets such as Nordstrom Rack, Amazon. I've, I know in my, in my years, I've ordered many times off Amazon. I've gone to Nordstrom's or I've seen something at, uh, say, Neiman Marcus. I saw a Fred Perry polo. And I'll hop right on, on, on Amazon.com and I'll find that polo for, you know, $40 less. Um, habits like that are going to be really monumental to you building, uh, building the life that you want uh, financially. Um, another thing is you, you, you learn as you're growing up, hey, finding a medium between my social life, my work life, and how much I put into, uh, how much time I put into investing. Um, sometimes that, re that requires you, again, to build habitual changes to your lifestyle. Um, getting up early, going to the gym early so you don't have to worry about that later in your, in your day. Um, a big thing that I've kind of learned is when I was bodybuilding, um, a lot of, a lot of the, uh, the time that was required of me to devote to bodybuilding, I had to cut some of those friends out. Um, especially the, the, those friends that weren't financially responsible, you know, those were the worst ones is they're calling you up, they're wanting to do, uh, such and such on Monday, they're wanting to do such and such on Tuesday, Wednesdays, and you know, those types of, uh, those types of habits aren't going to be uh, beneficial to your future. Uh, if anything, they're going to be detrimental to what you're trying to accomplish in terms of your finances. Another question you want to ask yourself as you're, uh, as you're growing into this you know, financially responsible, independent person that you're trying to become. 
Um, you, you know, everybody lives with some form of debt. We, uh, we either went to school, we either pulled, you know, that mortgage on that property that we wanted, um, that car that we, uh, we absolutely wanted. We wanted the sports package. We paid another $20,000 just to get that package, right? So you always want to analyze what type of debt is your healthy debt and what's bad, what's the bad debt? Um, you know, and, and, and you're doing your research. In doing your research, you have to be able to determine, hey, um, if I'm going to pull, everybody knows a car is going to, it's going to lose its value as soon as you drive it off the lot. I consider that bad debt. You know, pulling a mortgage on a property that you honestly can't afford, you want to pull a property just because you want to impress, you know, your family or whatever you, you're trying to impress your friends whenever they come over. Um, analyzing really how, how you, uh, how you look for a home, um, you know, because not not all not all properties are are good debt. I know a lot of uh, real estate agents out there. They're going to say, "Oh, no, um, you know, you invest in in real estate. It's going to go up. It's going up. Yeah, but to an extent, you know, if the market's at an all time high as we are now, and you're buying a property at the top of the peak, it really makes no sense to get to get into something that that you know you honestly can't afford because. You know, it, it, it watch 2008. What happened in 2008? You know, the crash. Um, people couldn't pay their mortgages, and yeah, the situation was a little different. Um, the companies weren't really analyzing these uh, debt holders uh, of this of this uh, real estate. But at the same time, you got to do your own uh, due diligence and really analyze. Hey, can I afford this debt? Um, <laughs> Another thing is analyzing when's a good time to buy and when's a bad time to buy. If you uh, if you asked me, hey, is it a good time to purchase property at this time? I I honestly I don't think it is. I think uh, buying at the at our peak that we are at, and yeah, they say the the economy's growing such and such, but everybody knows that these bull markets have cycles. These are cyclical cycles that we go through. Every every. Uh, Every peak has its trough, in, and it's important to keep that in mind as you're looking for uh, for the right time to buy. You know, if you're 20, 22 years old and you're already getting married, you're looking at a property, maybe maybe it might be a smarter bet to, hey, stay at home with mom for maybe a couple more years, see where the market goes, uh, maybe renting. Um, you know, it's important to analyze the uh, how these markets are, are how, how cyclical these markets are. And then being able to determine, hey, th this is an opportunity or this is not an opportunity to purchase. An example of, uh, in my opinion, good debt is student debt. Hey, that that debt allows you to build equity for the future, right? Um, you you of course you still have to do your analysis. Your analysis still required um, is you know getting that job after I get my degree. Is it going to offset the debt that I'm pulling in? Uh, another thing you want to look for when you're analyzing debt is uh, ask yourself the question, you know, it, are interest rates in a current state of environment that I, uh, I could afford pulling this debt at that interest rate? Um, another thing to look for is, you know, fundamental analysis or technical analysis within, you know, various markets. You, you look, at, uh, look at the cycles that the Federal Reserve has had in the past, you know, 15 years, 20 years. Um, what what does the Federal Reserve do to interest rates as the economy is booming, or what does the Federal Reserve do to interest rates as they see inflation rising? These are important things to look at when you're determining uh, determining, you know, am I am I going to be able to afford this type of debt? 
Um, that leads me to another thing is the difference between investing and trading. You know, a lot of uh, a lot of financial advisors, they 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 tell you to buy into a uh, current position and um, they make you think that, hey, you know, this position, it's it's fine. You, let's just get in it. We're at uh, an all time high in technology. And um, and then they forget about you. Right. You always want to think of if you're not necessarily looking at your assets when you're purchasing, you you can't have that trading mentality. Um, you have to put yourself in the position of an investing mentality. Um, yeah, so that's something to think about as you move forward in really analyzing, hey, what types of positions can I afford in this current state of the market? Outside of trading and investing, we uh, I'm always looking for opportunities of how can I put more money into the stock market, right? Uh, unique situation came about two years ago. Found a, uh, I found a property, the purchase, the purchase of uh, my condo. Found a property, got it at a real cheap value, knew it needed some rehab, but I, I ultimately knew that, hey, if I could rehab this place and I could bring valuations up, cut my cost in the rehab, and I could really uh, utilize the equity that I built within that property. So that's exactly what I did. And again, I don't recommend this for anyone else. Um, this is not a recommendation. This is some, something that I, I found an opportunity in did my due diligence and uh, and you know spearheaded the uh, the situation. So pulling, I mean, I'm mean, I'm in no way against um, pulling equity out of your home. If you're a young person, hey, you know that you're gonna you're gonna be invested in this property for the next you know sixty years. Um, I like I said, I pulled my equity out, put that money in the stock market. I know that the the stock market has returned an average twelve percent, you know, for the past thirty years. Um, being said, you know, that, that's, that's an op to me, that that's an opportunity, uh, for me to think that, you know, my real estate property is going to give me a 12% return each year. Eh, I don't, I don't see it happening. Um, yeah, so taking advantage of those types of opportunities to build uh, long-term income, long-term wealth, uh, is definitely something I did in my, in my experience. With that being said, we know that some years are greater than others, and just like just like in real estate, same same situation goes with the stock market. You know, twenty thirteen returns were averaged at you know thirty percent investing in the broad market. Say you put a uh, put money in the broad sector uh, S and P sector, right? S and P five hundred. Uh, you you know you were looking at thirty percent that year. Twenty fifteen not so great, got a one percent return, but. Um, you know, still still made money there. And some years are even negative. You know, you see two thousand eight. For example, you have you do have bad years. Bad years do exist in the stock market. It's important to understand that when you're investing for the long term, because the last thing you want to do is, hey, take my money out, and uh, you see that market come back up. You know, after that cycle cycle phases out, and you know you miss the comeback on there. Um, it's important to understand these things as you're uh, building wealth within uh, utilizing equities markets. Taking advantage of you know those down markets is also part of the part of the uh, wealth creation that you're working to do. Um, impl implementing a practice that uh, that's known across you know many financial advisors as average down stock strategy, right? Um, one in which you, you know you're buying shares uh, within the span of time. You watch the stock drop in price, right? And uh, you decide to purchase more. 
what that does is you're actually bringing down the average cost that you're buying that stock uh, at, right? You bought it at 100, dropped to 50. Now, now you purchased, you know, same amount of shares you had bought at 100. Now you're, you know, you average down to $75 per share opposed to buying it at $100 per share, right? Um, taking advantage of strategies like that. Uh, many other strategies exist in buying and trading. Um, it's always best to learn those habits, I believe, through experience, um, either through a demo account, a simulator. Um, I know me studying studying at school, um, I studied finance, economics. You know, you learn this stuff, but nothing prepares you better than uh, actually experiencing these, you know, cycles and, and feeling you know, the so-called pain of, hey, what, what's happening within the market and, and really understanding it to, to uh, utilize it to your advantage. You know, and for those that, you know, decide to go with, uh, with hiring a financial advisor, I think there's, there's two important things to look at when you're, when you're hiring a financial advisor. Um, it's important to understand how your financial advisor operates, right? Uh, first of all, you want to look at the company he's working with, right? What what company is he with? Um, are they doing well for their clients? And um, is it is this really some someone that you can truly trust in handling your uh, your assets? Um, second part is looking if if the uh, advisors are working off a commission based or fee based, right? In my opinion, always go with the fee based guys. Um, as a fee based advisor, your your assets are growing with his pay. So, for instance, he's not trying to sell you a mutual fund because he's going to get a commission on it. No, as a fee-based advisor, your assets are being handled by that advisor and you're, you know, you're giving up, say, 1.5% uh, for him to manage or her to manage those assets, right? Your assets grow, his pay grows. Why? Because if your, your assets were 100000 you know, five years ago and, you know, five years over, now they're, let's say, 200000 right? He's making 1.5% off of your 200000 opposed to what it was before. So you, you notice how the structure does not change. Just because your account went up, you know, 100000 doesn't mean that his pay is going to go up another 1% now. It's going to stay at 1.5%. He's going to continue charging the same amount. And uh, it really works in, in both of your favors to grow that account. Um, that's all we really have for the for the podcast today. Uh, thanks for listening. In our next episode, we're gonna look to uh, we're gonna take kind of a different a different direction. Not so much on the heavy on the finance, more so um, on complacency, really, and and what what you find in your profession. You know, we all get comfortable at some point in our career. It's humanistic, I believe, that this uh, this behavior that that you know we get complacent, we get comfortable. It's fine. We need we need uh, you know a couple of days off to do whatever to do whatever we're doing to reset the clock. But I mean the re the reality of it is, is that the majority of us we're I mean we're built for battle. We're we're equipped to go into you know the career field and continue working, continue striving to be better. Um, one thing is it's it's important, in my opinion, not to get complacent. Always be looking uh, ahead on how you could make yourself better. Everybody knows life isn't easy. We know that. Um, so yeah, next episode, we're going to talk about how to build these habits to serve our energy, feel better, ultimately lead us to, uh, to live a more successful lives, you know, doing what we love. Again, if you're listening, uh, appreciate it. Uh, subscribe to my podcast, 
keep the questions coming at guruprosario at gmail.com. And uh, again, I look forward uh, to hearing from you guys, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks again for listening. Y'all have a great one.